This podcast is sponsored by Active Skin Repair, a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. Active Skin Repair uses a molecule called hypochlorous acid, which mimics our natural immune response to cleanse, soothe irritation, reduce inflammation, and support healing. We've been loving Active Skin Repair for all the cuts and scrapes that show up in the active toddler life. Sage loves that there's both the spray version, but also a cream version. He likes to get to choose which one he's going to do. He calls it the magic cream. And it's been so great for taking care of Mila's neck rash now that she's full on teething. Can we get a minute for a teething three and a half month old? What in the world? Active Skin Repair has thousands of five-star reviews and the ingredients so safe and clean, they can be used from the youngest member of the family to the oldest. Keeping it simple with one soothing solution for all your family's skin health needs. Visit www.activeskinrepair.com to learn more about Active Skin Repair and to get 20% off your order, use code VILLAGE. That's www.activeskinrepair.com, code VILLAGE, for 20% off your order. Hey everyone, welcome to Voices of Your Village. You're listening to episode 9. When we think of being a parent, people often picture different age groups. Not everyone pictures a new squishy baby, or a toddler, or a four-year-old, or a teenager. Um, Maybe when you think of being a parent, you think of having a nine-year-old. Not everyone's a baby person. I don't know if I'll know what to do with a kid between the ages of nine and 15. It feels very foreign to me. Luckily, we have choice. We have choice of staying home with tiny humans or sending them to childcare. And hopefully, as we continue to work on things like pay equity, we will actually have more of a choice. Right now, there are a lot of families who are looking at the cost of childcare, and the cost of working doesn't necessarily outweigh that childcare cost. In this episode, I sat down with Tess Townsend. She is a physical therapist and a mama of two. Tess didn't know if she would have tiny humans, and I think if you were to have told Tess five years ago that she would be a stay-at-home parent to two tiny humans, she would have disagreed with you. But when faced with the choice of going back to work or staying at home, she chose to stay at home. So I dove into what that looks like for her and what went into her decision-making and all the ins and outs of being a stay-at-home parent from avoiding the monotony to going to a coffee shop just to order a coffee so that somebody replies to you words instead of screams or the isolation that can come with being a stay-at-home parent and how to build that village. I'm excited to share all of Tess's knowledge and experience with you and continue to fight for things like pay equity so that women have a real choice as to whether they'd rather be a stay-at-home parent or a working parent. All right, let's dive in. Welcome to Voices of Your Village, a place where parents, caregivers, teachers, and experts come to support one another on this wild ride of raising tiny humans. 
We combine decades of experience with the latest research to create the modern parenting village. Let's dive into honest conversation about real parenting challenges so it doesn't have to be this hard. I'm your host, sleep consultant, child development specialist, and passionate feminist, Alyssa Blass Campbell. Hey everyone, today I get to dive into honest conversation with a stay-at-home mom of two. There are often perceptions of what it's like to be a stay-at-home parent before one has kiddos. Tess and I get to chat about how that journey evolved for her and what it's like from the inside. Good, the hard, the exhausting component. Tess and I met at a playground. I was nannying two kids at the time, and she was a mama of her oldest. We immediately hit it off and have been friends since. Tess, I'm so excited to have you here today. Can you tell our listeners a little bit more about yourself? Yeah, thanks so much for having me. I really appreciate it and the opportunity to be able to to talk to you more because that just fills me up. Um, a little bit about me. Let's see. I um, I'm a physical therapist by training, and um, I decided to stay home with my oldest, who is now just over three. Um, after he was born, I also have a 14 month old. And uh, we we live in Boston, so um, I don't know if you have specific questions. I'm more than happy to answer them. Yeah, for sure. Uh, I guess, like, did you always know that you wanted to be a stay-at-home parent, or was that kind of a game-time decision? So I, um, I wasn't always sure that I wanted to be a parent, much less a stay-at-home parent. Um, it took my husband probably, I think, four four good convincing years um, to convince <laughs> me that we should start our, our expanding our family. Um, and I was never somebody who always just needed children around them. Um, I, um, yeah. Uh, and, and so I was kind of perpetually scared of children actually it would probably be the right way to describe it. So I did not think that I would be a stay at home parent. When I was pregnant, um, we started looking at childcare centers and crunching numbers and things like that. And um, even at that point, when I was still pregnant, I thought that I would go back to work full time, maybe 32 hours a week. But I, I anticipated going back. My work was very fulfilling for me, and I was very career driven and career oriented. And um, there was no question that I would go back. Um, but when my little guy was born, things changed and suddenly that, you know, net $400 a month that I would make after taking out yeah. childcare costs didn't seem worth it anymore. And, um, I, yeah, made the decision to stay home. It was, it was a no brainer at the same time that it was also really hard because it was a complete um, persona shift for who I am and an identity shift. I, I didn't know who the stay at home mom person was where I knew who I was professionally. And it, um, it, there's a lot of exploration at the beginning. That gave me the chills. Uh, I feel like that is, I feel like so many people listening can, can relate to that. I mean, no one knows who they are as a parent until they are a parent. Um, and I, it's, it's especially, I think, important for people who aren't quote unquote kid people, right? That, 
um, not ever imagining yourself in that role and then suddenly being there and having to figure out who that person is, what this body is. Um, and then, you know, I know you chose to breastfeed. So like even figuring out that whole journey in terms of like who you are as like a feeder and a provider and all that jazz is, is a whole new identity shift. That's amazing. Thank you for sharing that. Um, so let's go into a little bit about like what those first kind of few months were like in that transition were there resources that you found like in that time that made it helpful to kind of connect with other people who might be in that boat or was it for you like more kind of in isolation there yeah I I wish my answer were different to this but those first couple months were really really challenging um probably uh particularly the first 11 months um maybe 10 and a half months were really, really challenging. My, I think there, there was a huge identity shift for myself, but my little guy was also having um, some food allergy stuff going on and feeding difficulties that um, I was being labeled as just having a lot of anxiety and being an anxious new mom. Um, mm. But it was it was really challenging. So yes, I went to like breastfeeding support groups, and I went to new mom groups and Jewish family um, services has great meetups and things, um, but never really felt like I could relax into it um, mm-hmm. at all until um, actually until we moved communities and moved into a community where the the parent network was much more organized and um, I could start really getting to know more of the parents in the neighborhood. That's that's so huge. I feel like that's around the time that I met you. Yep. Uh, yep. That was right when you moved into town. Uh, yeah, that's, that's wild. So what was it like then? I guess what led to you choosing to then have another child? Did you know that you wanted to have another child? Uh, <laughs> How did that go? <laughs> That's a great question. Um, <laughs> you know, not everything is planned. And I think um, my my little lady is the best surprise that I never knew I wanted. Um, mm. She, We didn't know that um, we were expecting her until I was, I don't know, 10 weeks pregnant. And um, so she, she was like the baby that wanted to be here. Um, but it was funny because about a week before we found out we were pregnant, I looked at my husband and I was like, I wonder if we're just a one kid family um, because we were like hitting a groove. You know, we were just like feeling comfortable with everything and we were hitting our stride. And uh, then, yeah, then she said, nope, I'm coming, guys. You are definitely not a one kid family. <laughs> That's amazing. Um <laughs> So how was that to like process, right? Especially when you were like in your groove, did that kind of like throw you out or were you just like, oh man, I just going to take this in stride? Yeah. um, You know, you take it in stride as much as you possibly can um, because uh, like that's all you can do. But um, I wish now looking back that I would have been able to, to like process it and then be ready to welcome her a lot faster than I was um, in the pregnancy. Um, It took a little bit of time for me just to be like, okay, we're ready for this. Um, And now, I mean, 
I think anybody with children who maybe they didn't exactly plan on coming at that moment um, <laughs> will say the same thing, which is like, I can't imagine my life without her. Um, in so many yeah. ways, she has just been this beautiful healing force for me um, after a, a harder first year with my first son. Um, and um, so, yeah, but, but it, it took a little while. <laughs> yeah, that's, I think that's fair. I bet you're in the majority there. Uh, so what did what did life look like kind of at one as a stay-at-home parent in terms of like your daily life? What was that like? And then I want to kind of talk about how that shifted when you went from one to two. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, when it was just my son and I, my husband was working a lot more um, and, and traveling for work a lot more at that point too. So there's been other shifts that aren't just about my dynamic mm-hmm. with the kids. Um, so there, there have been other shifts as well, but um, so it was kind of like Wyatt and I would just, my son and I would just, were just together all day and all night. Um, he became my, like my best buddy. Um, once he made the transition to one nap, um, we kind of established uh, all morning is, is play and out and about and go see friends every morning, get some things done. And then after nap, um, everything kind of quieted down for the rest of the day. And we would just be local to home or our backyard or a local playground or something. So um, our routine establish a, a rhythm rather than a routine or a schedule. Um, I'm, I'm a big fan of rhythms and um, I think they just help ground me. And I think that they also help ground the kids. Um, so we started that when there was just one and honestly continued it since we had our second and um, she just like fit right into it really easy. Um, and they, yeah, they're they're just like little buddies, so it, it, I don't know. They've made it really easy on me. <laughs> That's awesome. Um, did you find yourself like in that postpartum period? You know, some people they can drop their kids off at childcare and then they come home and they're with just that new one. Uh, what was that transition like in terms of having your little girl at home and also having a toddler who was used to his rhythm? This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Being back to work after maternity leave has been so good and frankly, so hard. I love what I do and I missed collaborating with my team while I was out and it's been a tough transition. The combination of a packed schedule and still being the milk machine for me, Labine, it's hard to juggle everything. I feel so grateful for my weekly therapy hour. Sometimes I'm just holding so much and I need a safe space to let it out and get it off my chest. I've noticed that when I don't release it, it comes out anyway, but usually in ways that aren't aligned with how I want to show up in the world. BetterHelp is such a convenient, flexible option for parents who just can't take the travel time to get to an in-person therapy visit. It's entirely online. You can show up in your jammies, always a win in my book, and you can switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you're on your way to feeling heard. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash voices today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P 
dot com slash voices. It's so frustrating to spend the money and effort to buy your kids clothes just to have them grow out of the size within a week or have your kids complain that they itch, pinch, or just aren't comfortable. If you're with me on this, you've got to check out Posh Peanut. Their sensitive skin-friendly clothes are made from viscose from bamboo, stretch with your kid as they grow, and they're also made to last. Posh Peanut makes thoughtfully crafted, super cute clothing for kids and families. It is the softest thing, y'all. The design is all done in-house with different patterns, and it came in the mail, and I was like, oh my gosh, I want to wear this for myself every day. Their luxe women's pajamas and robes were all that I wanted to wear postpartum for nursing and hanging out on the couch with Mila. It helps so much that the fabric is breathable and chemical-free, which means they're delicate against Mila's sensitive skin, too. And I totally get why Posh Peanut is loved by over 1 million parents. Right now, Posh Peanut is offering our listeners 20% off your first order with promo code VILLAGE. Go to poshpeanut.com village and use promo code VILLAGE for 20% off your first order. That's poshpeanut.com village, promo code VILLAGE. Yeah, um, you know, it wasn't, I am so glad that he was there with me, which is probably the exact opposite of what, uh, you know, you're expecting me to say, but um, I was glad that he was home because also it made it so that I didn't have as as much time just to like sit and um, adore her and think about how beautiful she was and you know, do all those things that you can do when you just have one baby at home. Um, I had the opportunity to really incorporate him into a lot of her care and into a lot of our rhythm. And it made it so that I really attribute that to their, their friendship right now. So I, um, I breastfed both of their, I breastfeed both of them. And especially in the early days, they would tan nurse together and um, their friendship, you know, they would like hold hands and they would like sit and laugh at each other. And their friendship that developed in those first 12 weeks, I'm going to say, um, I think really, you know, set, at least established the neuronal activity for being able to friends. And they really are right now. And it's, um, I don't know, it's really cool. That's so sweet. I love it. I love it. Um, I didn't, I didn't grow up with a sibling that was like very close to my age. So that, and I think that bond is different when you are closer in age. Uh, that's so sweet. Um, yeah, my, my, I have a brother that's two and a half years older than I am. And when we were kids, we were close, but now we aren't. Um, and so I, I do think about that kind of thing, I guess, you know, for, yeah, for my sure. kids too. <laughs> well, it sounds like it was the, like, kind of process into bringing in another tiny human worked for him as well. Um, did you experience any of the like jealousy or anything like that down the road or has it kind of been smooth balance? Um, we've been really, really lucky. Just kind of our, my son's attitude towards everything, I suppose, makes him just really receptive to, to um, you know, having another tiny human to share his space and share his parents with and everything. And we've really never got any of the jealousy. Um, I think we also did a really uh, thorough job of prepping him for a new sibling um, and gave him like specific roles within what he 
could be expected to do and what it was going to look like and, and things like that. So um, I had a home birth and for both kids, but when she, my, my second, my daughter was born at home and in the morning when my son woke up, my husband went and got him and brought him into our room and he's like, Hey, your baby sister arrived last night. And it was just like, never missed a beat. Just kind of like sat down, started talking to her. Um, and, and there wasn't any growing pains with that. I, I think part of it for me was that I was home. I didn't disappear for a couple of days mm-hmm. and I wasn't like in a hospital. And so, um, which for him would have been kind of traumatic because, I'm so used to being next to him or near him, you know, so he didn't, he wasn't thrown somewhere else. Um, So I think it made a smoother transition at the beginning. That's a good point. Um, Also sibling meeting sibling stories always make me tear up. Uh, (laughs) It gets me every time. Um, Oh, it was so pretty awesome. He walked in and he's like, baby, see ya. Hi, oh. baby. See ya. That's cute. Oh my gosh, that's the cutest thing. Um, <laughs> what, what were like the unexpected joys that you find from being at home, especially as someone who never imagined themselves at home with with two or one or two, one or two kids? Yeah, um, I think now it is hands down undeniably watching their friend, the kids' friendship and, and relationship grow, hands down, no question. Um, and I think, like, you know, to, to the point that I'm like, wow, maybe we should have another one. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but I think also just thinking about them in a different way. Um, I think I hadn't been... Um, I think if I were to be not home, I probably wouldn't spend as much time thinking about things for them as this is just because of who I am, because I am preoccupied with what is in the immediately in front of me kind Mm -hmm. of person. Um, And if I weren't home, I don't think I would spend as much time thinking about them. it's given me, it's open, being home has opened up a whole bunch of opportunities for me to, um, many opportunities for me to grow both professionally and personally and as a parent and, and help guide their growth too, whether that's thinking about their education, whether that's thinking about their emotional development, whether that is thinking about, um, you know, their sensory motor activities, things like that. Um, you know, uh, you told me actually, and, and you started getting me on the train, I think, and so I can accredit you to all of this, that's, um, that, you know, 75% of their brains are developed by the time they hit preschool, something like that. You can fix the numbers, yeah. but, um, and 90% of their brain growth is by five or something. So, you know, we're at this opportunity in life for these kids to really make a huge difference in their lives for the rest of their lives. And these are things that as I'm gaining a greater appreciation for um, neurodevelopment, emotional development, um, that I feel 
uh, even a, a greater sense of responsibility to help them learn so that I'm setting them up for the rest of their lives, which is um, like I'm taking ownership over it. And I don't know that that's necessarily like healthy, but I'm taking ownership in a way that I think, um, you know, people, anybody who understands what they're doing, like anybody who under, appreciates the neurodevelopment that's happening is going to take that same ownership because you have such an opportunity to really change the outcome of a person's life. Absolutely. Um, it just feels like a really big responsibility. <laughs> now that I understand more <laughs> it of it. Is. <laughs> it is a big responsibility. Um, does that part feel overwhelming at all? I think like maybe sometimes. Um, and I think it probably still does if I'm being honest about it. Anytime you have, um, I mean, every new parent has that feeling. I think I've talked to friends that say when they go home from the hospital and their <laughs> their kids, uh, you know, they look and they're like, oh my goodness. They look to their spouse. They're like, oh my goodness, they're trusting us to walk out of here with this baby. <laughs> We're in charge of their life. And it's the same kind of thing, but like forever, as soon as you become a parent, it's, you, you have that responsibility forever um, or you feel some of that responsibility forever. And um, like, so yeah, there are definitely times that it's overwhelming and it feels like a lot, but at the same time, um, it is not just your responsibility because you can try to stop kids from developing and stop kids from growing but like nature is going to come in and their independence is going to come in because they're going to keep learning and they're going to keep just like, mm. you know, naturally thriving. Um, I don't, uh, they're going to grow. Yeah. The, the sun's going to come up the next day, whether you want it. and they are going to grow whether you want them to or not. <laughs> yeah. So true. Uh, we talked a little bit about this uh, when you were in the, like tiny humans, big emotions group, but can you speak to like responding to two tiny humans emotions all day long and how to find that balance? Yeah, that's exhausting sometimes. <laughs> um, uh, I think it probably goes back to that, that ownership thing of feeling responsible for making sure that you, I'm doing it right so that they're learning right, you know? Um, but I think, um, it's it's challenging when, uh, particularly at having the two different ages where my three-year-old can verbalize his needs a lot more and to a certain point is like a squeakier wheel about his needs because he can verbalize them and because he'll keep asking why, why, why. Um, and um, so trying to make sure that I'm, I'm splitting that, um, their, their needs and recognizing both of their needs can can definitely be really challenging for me um something i'm working on i think i'll keep working on it for the rest of their lives <laughs> <laughs> forever working um what are some of the challenges that you face each day that it sounds like that's one that you're like working on what are some of the things that that yeah are are really hard each day whether you expected them or, or not um i think the biggest things are trying to find, like, um, like bringing my whole self to the table. Finding, and for me, the way to bring my whole self to the table 
is to have rejuvenating time for myself and the kind of person I am. Um, I'm more than happy to put everybody else in the room in front of myself and or in front of my own needs. And um, so sometimes just filling my own cup is actually the hardest part. And, and what does that look like when you're at home solo? How do you fill your cup? Yeah, um, creatively. Um, <laughs> I just read my first novel since my son was born. That was an amazing experience. Um, <laughs> but um, so we kind of um, have figured out ways to to do some of it. One of the big things for me is getting some is really like setting my circadian rhythm because I find that if I have circadian rhythm disruption, my affect is just totally off, and um, and my patience is off, and you know um, all that. So I try to help you know, we get everybody, my husband and myself get the kids ready, kind of get ourselves ready. He sits down to breakfast with them in the morning and I try to go outside for 15 or 20 minutes. And this sounds so bad, but just do like a body weight workout in the driveway while <laughs> like they're eating breakfast. And then I come in, I feel much better. It might be negative 35 outside, but I'm still trying to get outside to get my, my little bit of space, um, either to meditate or to to like get a little bit of exercise. That's amazing. That does I it for me. <laughs> <laughs> I I love it. I, creatively was the correct answer. Uh, that is creative. <laughs> uh, great. Um, Otherwise, I wouldn't do it. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. There's no other time in the day, right? And at the end of the day, you're probably not feeling ready to hop outside and do some body weight exercises in the driveway. Yeah, no, I would much rather sit and talk to my hubs at that point in day because I've, I've probably spent most of my day talking to a one-year-old and a three-year-old and <laughs> I need to, I mean, one of the, the hardest parts too for me at home is you don't have somebody giving you a performance evaluation, right? You don't have mm. a performance review saying like, hey, you really need to work on this part or like, hey, I noticed how when you said this or that to your son that like your intonation or your tone was a little bit frustrated and maybe you shouldn't sound that frustrated because he, he really picked up on it. And for him, that was like a seed to dive in, um, whatever it was. Um, so at the end of the day, I use that time potentially to my husband's chagrin to um, to like really just decompress with him, not in a TV veg way, but to talk about what's been going on, to try to have him help me be, to give me that reflection of what do I need to work on? How can I keep um, keep my cool a little bit more? How can I, whatever. Feel like you're the martyr in your family? You're not alone. Hey, this is Joanne. And Brie. And we're from the No Guilt Mom podcast. Brie, we talk to a lot of moms. Yeah, we sure do. And if you're a mom who has a to-do list that is so massive that you get overwhelmed and you shut down. Or if you fall into the habit of doing everything for everyone and don't know how to change it, we can help you become a No Guilt Mom. We're going to take you from family martyr to family model. That's role model so that you role model the behavior that you want to see out of your kids. You're going to go from being tired and overwhelmed to energized and guilt 
free. Every week, you'll get actionable strategies that you can implement right away from the experts that we interview and from us. We also have a whole lot of fun. So check out the No Get Mom podcast everywhere you listen to your favorite shows. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Co., and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, You'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts. That's amazing. I I think it's such, such a good point. I mean... Um, you know, I, I don't have kids. I've been a nanny. And so I've spent these days from like 7.30 to 6.30 with just tiny humans who can't really respond to me or that the same thing where like no one's there to say, hey, do you need to go to the bathroom for a minute? So, and I'll step in with the kids so that you can breathe. There's, there's no tapping out, right? Like you don't get to pee when you want. You don't get to have coffee when you want. You're on tiny human schedules, and and there's no adult there, and those days can feel so draining to me. Uh, I I thrive on adult interaction, right? Like being able to sit down and have a conversation with someone. I'm a giant extrovert, and uh, found myself like wearing the kids or pushing them in the stroller and going into a coffee shop just to order coffee to like talk to somebody. <laughs> <laughs> it it wasn't about the coffee. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think that I think that's really huge. I was actually the other day I was talking to a friend of mine who uh went from working full time to is is currently her, her older kiddo's in childcare and her younger kiddo is at home with her. Um, probably not too far off from Sia's age. And um she was like, Oh my gosh, like I don't think I'm cut out for this and I was like, That's okay right? Like not everyone has to be a stay-at-home parent and it doesn't work for everyone in the same manner that being a working parent isn't going to work for everyone. And I think it's huge to find what works for you, um, what your ideal situation is. I think for some people that's not always full-time one thing or full-time the other thing. Um, You know, being able to like have part-time care so that you can work part-time is another choice that that I think is, is not talked about enough. Can you kind of highlight what would your ideal situation look like? Is it this? Is it home full time with your kiddos? Um, is it more of that shared situation? Uh, yeah, kind of like speak to, I guess, who you are professionally and how that's evolved now. Yeah, so let's start back a little bit. But when, when my oldest was born, um, I started my own practice and I was an adult physical therapist at that point. And I was working, I take, I took like a couple of clients. So I would see a couple of clients on the weekends or during the week, my husband would stay home, take care of my son. And I'd go see a couple of clients and come home. And that was it. Um, and then between the 
kids, I've, I've done a lot of learning about pediatric PT, so I've changed my uh, practice a lot. Um, and I have recently been working kind of like all Saturdays and Sundays. So we've been doing a swap to date where um, my husband's been working, you know, Monday through Friday, and then I've been working Saturday and Sunday. And um, that we have found is too much on our family. Um, uh-huh. where we're not getting enough time together as a cohesive, like as, as a foursome and being able to take that time together. Um, and so we're, we are like looking at this question right now. So it's very port- pertinent that you're asking it as opposed to our lives as well. Um, and, you know, what I think my ideal world situation would look like right now. Cause I, I found that in my practice, my practice is incredibly um, fulfilling to me because I get to have that other time outside of home to be the person that I am rather than being um, a nurturer just for our kids. Even though my job is, you know, some, is, is in a nurturing role and in a supportive role, um, it's still different. And um, right now, we I'm trying to figure out how much I want to grow it because mm. the hardest thing for me is finding good care for the kids. We don't have family yeah. around. Um, and I am somebody who, like, we thought we found a nanny. And we, I interviewed, like, 40 people and <laughs> um, had somebody start. And the first day, she, I might, she left my then eight-month-old at the water table by herself, standing by herself. And, like, I walked out into the, air, into the yard and, like, to watch my eight-month-old fall to the ground and hit her head on a rock and, like, mm-hmm. cut it. So um, I just, I think... I don't know. I think my type A personality starts coming in where I'm having problems relinquishing control of things too. Um, Yeah. And um, it's, it's a funny balance. I mean, we, we know as a family that later on, um, you know, in this immediate time, this is kind of like what we're going to have to do. My husband's going to need to work full time. I can work part time. This is what we're going to need to do. But in our like master plan, it looks more like both of us working 20 to 25 hours a week and then spending the rest of the time at home. And I think we're going to homeschool or unschool our kids. Um, and so, you know, we're, we're high touch. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I do think that having that, those different facets of our life has been really important for us. Yeah. I love that. I love that you're, seems like you're constantly trying to figure out like, where, where is this balance, not just for you professionally and you as a, as a parent, but for your whole family system. What, uh, are there any resources that you found out there that you would recommend to anyone who's thinking about being a home parent or is currently in the trenches and uh, feels like they need added support? Uh, yeah, you could speak to anything that you found along the way that has been helpful. I I think the one thing that I really wish that I had was I wish that I had family nearby. Like I wish I had extended family, particularly nearby, like cousins, 
And all my cousins are having kids at the same time. And all of our kids are around the same age, but they're too far away. Um, I wish that like I had that extended family network um, nearby. That would just make everything a little bit easier. I think sometimes that being said, like, um, it, you know, and, and I've seen a lot of people leave our neighborhood and our community to go to wherever their family is, particularly like their parents, um, because they're, they also are lacking that community where we are. Um, the, the community that we live in is really, really well organized for parents, um, but it's still not the same. Um, but, you know, if work is pulling you in one direction and you have to be in a specific city or whatever, um, trying to organize other families um, other community spots in a close proximity, which is something that we found really important. If we have to get in a car and drive 45 minutes or a half hour to go see friends, we're not going to go see them because mm-hmm. we have one kid that naps two times a day, one kid that naps one time a day. So we have very limited amount of time to be able to go <laughs> anywhere during awake hours. <laughs> and so I think, you know, community is huge. Um, I think that like real community is huge. You know, social media stuff can be okay if you're like particularly going through a hard time. Um, but I think like real community where you can sit and model behaviors for the kids of like how to interact with a friend um, and be able to have those like hormones that are released only during real social human interaction (laughs) is really, really big. I don't know. You're right. Adults feeding off of like adult interactions. Yeah. Finding people. I I do think that that's huge too. And I think we can often, especially with social media, wind up in isolation and, and I think it's great. So great for people to be able to like reach out and touch base with people um, who might be walking a similar path at that time, but also balancing that with that in-person interaction. I, I yeah. think you hit the nail on the head there. I think it's really important for not feeling like you spent the whole day alone um, or with well, a tiny human who, you know, can't, can't turn on those other parts of your brain. <laughs> and it's hard, especially if you choose to do things a little bit different than maybe like mainstream things um you know it's hard to be able to find other people to share them with so we're talking about homeschooling unschooling our kids or if you you know finding homeschoolers it can be challenging or um you know we just different things like that can be challenging so online can be great for finding niche communities but yeah real people interactions (laughs) eat them up that's a huge point (laughs) Um, well, this was awesome. It was, it's so nice to just have honest conversation of what it really looks like from the inside. And of course, everybody's journey will be different here, but I'm sure yeah. that there are a lot of people out there that can connect with a lot of what you said. Um, particularly like not even feeling like you were a kid person and then going to this stay at home mom life and kind of how that transformation has been for you. Um, can you, if you're open to it, let yeah. us know where uh, listeners could connect with you? Yeah, chesstownsend.com is usually the easiest way to get a hold of me if you want. You could try to find me on Facebook, but um, chesstownsend.com is usually the easiest way if you wanted to, like, reach out on something. So Awesome. Um, 
That's so great. Thank you so much. I, yeah. I'm so excited for people to be able to like listen to this and hopefully find pieces that resonate for them. Thanks, Tess, for coming on and hanging out with me today. Thank you so much. I really appreciate any opportunity to talk to you, Alyssa. Thanks for tuning in to Voices of Your Village. Check out the show notes for this episode and all past episodes at www.seedandsow.org podcast. If you love the show, take two minutes to leave a review and spread the love. Thanks for joining our village. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.